everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. This is a very, very special day of anniversaries. Uh, we celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary two days ago. I have to say I'm married to the happiest woman in the world. Except it was not two days ago. Yeah, the it's fifth. Okay. What's today's date? Oh, well, it's three days ago. Four days. I don't know. It was, it was the a, fifth. It was this week. It's been so long. That. I've been married to her so long, my brain is fried, frankly. Right. Um, and also, this is the 15th, 14th anniversary <laughs> of Foodie and the Beast. Yes, it is. We've been on the air exactly 14, 14 years. 14 years, I know. Heading for number Amazing. 15. Thank you. That's right. Another Polite, reason. Polite applause. Another Polite reason applause. why my weekends are tough and my brain is fried. All right, so let's get to it. Of course, we're joined by Mitch Berliner from Central Farm Markets. Uh, we're going to hear about what's happening there for the holidays and Halloween and all of that. Uh, our drink segment today is really fun. Bodegas Tempore Wines are an independent brand of organic and vegan wines. They're produced in Spain's Aragon region, and Alejandra Sarmiento of Bodegas Tempore is on with us long distance from Zaragoza with the towers. And also Eric Platt, who's president of Artisans and uh, Artisan and Vines, mm-hmm. Vine, singular, Artisan and Vine. But he's an old buddy of the show, so he'll forgive me. Uh, they're the Bodega, Bodegas uh, distributor here in D.C. He's in to fill our cups with her wines Long distance. Go yes. figure that out. We'll work it out. And has it been five years already? Uh, and it's hard to believe, but the fifth annual DMV Black Restaurant Week starts November 6th. Dr. Erin Tucker Oluwale, she's got a new last name. She just got married. The event's co founder and chef uh, Jeff Miskiri. Am I saying it right, Jeff? I got it. All right. Founder and chef of and executive, uh, chief executive officer of Miskiri Hospitality Group. Uh, it's a group of black family and woman owned uh, products and restaurants here in D.C. And they're in to talk about Black Restaurant Week. That'll be And he cool. brought in a lot of food. He brought in a bucket load of food, okay. including deviled eggs, which are... <laughs> and the, wings. Like, like, you hit, his, you hit the like, trifecta almost. Man, it's, it's like heroin like, for me. Can, right. you, can you just whip them up and inject <laughs> them into my... Okay. Okay, next is a great story about starting small and making it big, very big. Dario Wolos is the founder of Tacombi. It's a food and beverage tuckery and consumer products group. Started as a as a makeshift stand on the beach in Playa del Carmen in Mexico mm-hmm. in 2006, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. Now they've got 14 locations in New York, Miami, D.C., and he is uh, he's planning 75 more. And so the guy doesn't sleep. But also, he has packaged goods, which is a real hard leap when you're. Did also I not doing, just say consumer you did, products? But I think it's really important to to express that because it's a hard leap, and I'm really looking forward to talking about doing both because not everybody can do that. All right, and now we got another. Mm-hmm. Fun thing. So imagine a crisp, full-bodied rosé in a plastic bottle. What? I'm here for it. Como? Anyways. <laughs> born, in, born during the pandemic, uh, pandemic uh, Not Life is a new company that brings you a great potable in an unbreakable bottle. Uh, Annapolitans, Marina Anglim, and Tracy Siebert founded the company. And uh, uh, The story is they were sitting around a swimming pool talking, what a life you got. Uh, and they came up with the idea. And the next thing you know, they've got this great product that's all over the place, and they'll be pouring that for us. But first, the Urbane and... Mitch Berliner, we haven't seen you in so long. How are you? 
Are you I'm there? still pretty good for an old guy. Thanks for asking. Okay. Well, I mean, Mitch Berliner, Central Farm Markets. This is, I mean, we are in market like heaven, right? Like October is oh, yeah. it. So let's talk about what's in market and what you guys have going on because you've got a little market shifting happening and things popping up. Tell us. All right. Well, you got that right. The first happy anniversary. Our anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, muscle tough. Happy anniversary. There you go. So we are indeed back to Bethesda. Not today, but next Sunday, October 16th, we'll mm-hmm. be back. The school construction is finally finished. So mm-hmm. uh, we thank all our patrons for coming out and seeing us at the temporary location. So that's going on. It's not too early, boys and girls to get your order in at all our four markets for turkeys and roasts, etc. We have Springfield Farms, Liberty Delight Farms, Meat Crafters all have roasts and or turkeys, ducks, you name it. So get the orders in last minute. And you I think your get charcuterie, it. get your charcuterie plates orders in, right? Like you guys you can betcha. do great we charcuterie. Have now a full line at Meat Crafters mm-hmm. of all kinds of 13 different kinds of sliced charcuterie from lomo, braziola, lamb salamis, beef salamis, all fennel, all kinds of stuff. My God, if you're I an do. animal, be very, very afraid. That's of Mitch all I can say. Um, Those lamb salamis are my favorite thing. Exactly. Well, we have real food, not stuff made with chemical paste, case, uh, chemistry sets. Right. Anyway. Love that. Um, so now we also today in Bethesda have a terrific demo by Chef. Jonathan Barzak, and he's going to be giving away free his cookbooks. We're asking for a donation to Mana. We mm. never ask for anything for ourselves, unlike others. We try to help people in our community. That's great. Um, so also, we want to remind everybody, as always, all four markets will have stuff for Halloween for the kids. And it's cider season, so... Come on out, get your cider, all kinds of apples, Asian. All right, Mitch, I got to wrap you up. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. The whole menu will take the whole show. I got to wrap you up, dude. (laughs) All four locations you can find us at on the web at centralfarmmarkets.com. Great, Great. man. We'll see you at the market. Thanks, Mitch. All right, thanks. So, Alejandra, let's talk to you since you're zooming in from from Zaragoza. So, give us a background story on Bodegas Tempore Wines. Please. Yes, yes, of course. Hi to all of you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm super happy to be here. Mm -hmm. Hi, Alejandra. I'm also happy to share (laughs) that this year we are also celebrating a nice anniversary. Congratulations. Congratulations. Anniversaries abound. Yes, totally. (laughs) So this year it's our 20th anniversary as a winery. So we are a Spanish family winery born in 2002, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to the crazy idea of two siblings, Paula and Victor, that they decided to start this adventure. So we are located in a small town called Lesera in the northeast of Spain, the region of Aragon, 60 kilometers south from the, the big ta- uh, city, Zaragoza. It's the midpoint between Madrid and Barcelona, so you can locate mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and we are in a region specifically called IGP Bajo Aragón, which means a protected geographical indication, and it's like the quality reference for, for our products. 
But the region where we are locating has been traditionally a wine region and also an agricultural area. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that um, we are located in one of the most arid regions in Spain. It's like a semi-desertic area with no water at, at all. It's a very extreme climate. Um, we have like only 300 liters of rain per hectare per year, mm -hmm. which is nothing to grow vines. <laughs> right. So you're not worried um, about climate change, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. it's so arid. We, later I'll tell you what we are doing to face that issue mm -hmm. because we really want to focus on a very sustainable way to keep producing our wines. Um, so just uh, as the background, we have now in property approximately 120 hectares. Mm -hmm. um, and then we only produce wines from the autochthonous grape varieties from this region, which are uh, white garnacha or grenache, mm -hmm. red garnacha, tempranillo, and a little bit of macabeo, which is also a white grape. Okay. So today along the show, you will be able to taste all of them. Then I'll share you a little bit of our well, wines called Independent. Eric okay, is great. pouring Eric is now. Pour the first one. Your Eric. man in Washington is pouring okay, now. Okay, Eric, tell us what you're pouring first. I'm pouring the white. Okay. Independent you... white. Okay. Uh, Alejandro, do you want to tell us quickly about the white? Yes. Great. Yes, totally. So um, independent white, it's made of a blend of two grapes, 70% mm -hmm. Macabeo grapes and 30% white Carnacha grapes. So you will see that just for this time in the morning, it's a very nice, easy to drink wine. Perfect. So the idea behind independent brand mm -hmm. that was created like uh, four years ago was to give a little bit of independence to the wine consumers oh. because there are, there are young people around the world mm -hmm. willing to enter the, the wine world, but sometimes they get scared if they don't understand these complex concepts of uh, soils around Alejandra, us. Alejandra, I'm so sorry. Listen, we're coming back to you throughout the show. Okay. So we're going to try to Wait, cut it salute. short. So we're going to say salute. Salute. Everybody in studio, <laughs> enjoy. In, Perfect. In Espanol, you say salute. See? Salute. Sal Salud, salud. I just salud. did it in Italian. I'm okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We'll come back to you in just a little bit. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. So back in studio. Back in studio is Dr. Aaron Tucker Oluwole. Right? Absolutely. Did yes. I do it right. That's, That's her new right. married name. Um, with Chef Jeff Miscari. And we're talking about the DMV Black Restaurant Week, which starts November 6th. And it's the fifth year already. That blew me away when I, I started reading. I was like, can we talk is that about possible? The, how, wow. why Black Restaurant Week, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, our, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, which I know you're very involved with, mm -hmm. um, does, you know, two restaurant weeks a year. Why pull it out? Not that you're pulling out restaurants from Restaurant Week, yeah. but why do something separate? What what was the impetus for all of it? Absolutely. Um, when we came together in 2018, uh, myself, as well as uh, my two co-founders, uh, Chef uh, Farrar Tate, as well as AJ Johnson, we came together because we loved work. For, we loved like just the industry and training. And what we realized was that during that time, there was a lot of incidences that were happening one, there was an incident that happened up in Philadelphia at a, at a Starbucks where two African-American yes. gentlemen were called on. And it affected me because I used to live down the street from that uh, from that Starbucks. And then there was just a lot of um, conversation at the time about uh, where are the black chefs, where are the black owners. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in 
I'm in the D.C. DMV area. They're everywhere, but we realized there wasn't a platform for them. Mm -hmm. So while we loved education and training, we wanted to create the platform for them. When we came together to form it, our number one reason was we wanted to serve as a conduit between independent restaurant owners that weren't able to have the resources that we knew were there with our government, nonprofit, for-profit partners. Well, and so how does that parlay into the week, right? Mm -hmm. Because, listen, we've talked about on this show and on my other show, Industry Night, about the significant lack of funding for minorities, both Mm -hmm. women and uh, people in the African-American community, that it's harder. The money is not as available. The partnerships are not there. Relationships are not there. So how is Black Restaurant Week changing that conversation? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I mean, you, we were on here five years ago. So, the, you know, Dave and Nikki, you two saw saw the vision of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But the week was what got the attention. And the week is for the consumers. It's the celebration. It's the ability to do that. But the other 51 weeks mm-hmm. um, that, you know, we don't necessarily hear from a whole lot is the fact of us being able to do training and development for our business owners, uh, to be able for the government to see that there are so many, there's so many businesses in the space. How do we get that attention to them? Well, okay, before wait, we, we get to Oh, we're taking a break. We're taking a break. When we come back, this is why we're here. (laughs) Swallow that question. Okay, so this is David and Nikki Nellis, Booty and the Beast. Black Restaurant Week begins November 6th through the 13th. Okay, we're going to be back in just just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and I get to continue this line of questioning. Chef Jeff. It's my turn. How are you, man? It's your turn. So, first of all, I want to give a shout out to AJ, who is one of our favorite people. The world's second greatest bartender next to our son, Sam. <laughs> um, That's fair. Uh, how did you get involved, and what's your contribution this year? Well, um, I started off as a youth. Um, my mom and her sisters, they you know, um, they were in the industry already, you know, coming up from McDonald's and working their way up, um, from, like, floor managers all the way up to supervisors, working directly underneath the, um, the owner. So, we, you know, me and my family had the opportunities, like, 10, 11-year-olds to go inside um, the McDonald's, we, uh, we witnessed a black owner of a McDonald's, Mr. Gans, that's what his name. He had eight stores in the DMV area. Mm. So literally at 12 years old, I used to see chicken nuggets being cooked. Yeah, but would he give you free Big Macs? That's of the question. Of course. <laughs> lunch, lunch breaks was amazing. But actually, I, you know, people may poo-poo McDonald's because of its fast food culture. But for you as a kid to see the structure and the environment and the operation and to see the success in the industry yes. that this man had had to be inspiring yes. for you. My aunt, she really like she she had a whole China cabinet full full with awards from McDonald's, Chicago. Um, you know, they had the uh, McDonald's school. It's like it's a real tough program. So mm-hmm. I just yeah. seen her just like grow all across the board and. I had my cousins, you know, we was all into sports and food, and I was the one who was just born with the gift of learning how to cook. So every year I just learned So you were not new. gifted at sports? Sometimes. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you get to you guys can't see him, but yeah. Chef everyone. Jeff is about 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's 6'6 six, six in uh, junior college, so, yeah. like, you know, you need to learn a trade, so I had to trade a cooking food. Yeah. So, okay, but now you own restaurants. Yeah. Correct. So, so let's talk about first... the restaurants that you own. Okay, so I had uh, Pole Boy Gym, which which was the first store. Mm-hmm. It was opening for eight years. Then we expanded, opened another uh, location. Where um, are both those locations? One is in Columbia, Maryland, mm-hmm. um, right outside the mall, town center. And one's on, on 8th Street, right behind Capitol Hill, northeast. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I met Dr. Tucker, we yeah. had we had a, another location on 9th Street. But due to COVID, yep. um, mm. we decided to let it close it down. But in the midst of all that, 
we opened up more different concepts, QSRs, um, hybrids with a little bit of QSRs and uh, sit, sit down. And now we have like big 5,000 square foot sit down restaurants. So the Cajun Creole cooking Southern Caribbean is our niche. Mm-hmm. And right. we're expanding and taking that uh, to big levels. That I see is... part of your niche is deviled eggs. So oh, what, yes. what did you open most recently? You opened... Uh, Miss Toya's Creole House. It right. was named after my wife, whose name is... Her mm-hmm. nickname is Toya. Uh, and that's in Silver Spring, That's right? in Silver Spring. Um, so when she asks you to do something, do you have to say, yes, Miss Toya? Of course. Like I have to say, yes, Miss Nikki? Same <laughs> no, thing? Okay. Have to of say course. That. He just has to say ha- yes. Happy wife, happy wife, happy life. I don't so. care how he says it. Just <laughs> say yes. Yeah, she's uh, involved. That's the best part. You know, we work together. She's involved every day. Uh, the kids are involved, and they're eight. Mm-hmm. The young ones, they're eight and nine. Um, so it's just, you know, it's it's a blessing to see how far we've come. Over two hundred fifty employees. We have a location outside of DMV in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Um, how did you pick a, made that? Made a connection through a mutual friend. Oh. Um, he had a, a building that he wanted to do something cool with, and he loved what I was doing here. So um, I opened up a restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, and it's been a, been a huge success. You know. And um, yeah, just continue to grow. You know. So now with this restaurant week, what? Mm-hmm. How are we activating it? What's happening? Absolutely. So we are kicking off a little bit differently this year. We have partnered with Sandlot Anacostia. We're doing a lot of focus on Word Seven and Eight. Great. Um, so we're going to be opening up with food fashion that Saturday, actually before, and then we're going to move into on Monday with our cocktail competition. We haven't talked about the Andy's. location. Where's all this happening? Uh, all over the DMV. So okay. we're going to be at Sandlot Anacostia. We will be at Banny's. Um, sh- a shout out to Chef Peter Prime, Peter Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, for our cocktail competition. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to actually have a, a, a nice little um, opener with the over at a D City Smokehouse, which is opening up on uh, in, in Ward Eight. Oh, true. Um, off the MLK. Yep, yep. And then uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of a movie night to kind of kick off Black Panther on Thursday at Metro Bar. Not the cool. new one. Um, the new one. Uh, the new one. Yes, 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 yes. The new yeah, one. I so, can't wait for that. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to see it, of course. But we're right. going to be doing our own kind of like Wakanda drink. Shout out to Richard. Shout out to the crew there. Um, so it's just that kind of once again building that ecosystem and to be you know really with Jeff and seeing how his family has. Really evolved. We're both on the board yes. uh, for MW now, so that's that was our vision that's was to cool. just to be much more inclusive. And can but we no, wait? Okay. Can we not let Peter Prime's name go by without mentioning that it's not his total focus anymore? But the best ribs in America. No, that's not what he's cooking anymore. That's not. I know. I'm, yeah, I'm I saying know. he came he in here with even, ribs. He did about eight years ago, and I'm still. This but my, I will say his sister Janine Prime who opened up St. James, is also doing amazing things as well. So don't forget Janine. No, I Because um, her restaurant <laughs> is amazing, too. Uh, so, okay. So how can people get involved? And how do you want people to get involved? Just like she said, you know, more resources and um, making the, you know, building a bridge for the black community. You know, uh, my purpose now is to be a, a mentor, a teacher, a leader. I lead my staff lead the people who's looking up looking up to me or say, I want to own my restaurant one day. And people just coming out, you know, and just and just supporting, you know, taking the time out to see the unique offerings and and and, and really, you know, doing it with lack of resources and really see what what we're able to do. Well that's the question I wanted to ask because you're talking about prepping the folks who want to, you know, get into the business and be in the business. What about the bankers? What about the people with all the money? Do you do any kind of I don't know, educational or orientation stuff for them as a group so that they can see, you know, what a great investment this would be. Sort of Shark Tank style stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, are you able to put together a 
panels or groups like that in order to help they those. Need education too, they do. And, yeah. and honestly, the real estate guys. Absolutely. I mean, they're part of the problem. Of course, yes. Absolutely. I think if everyone is, is involved from and it's top girls, to bottom. Guys and girls. You everyone know what I mean? top from top to bottom, it would just make everything just flow better. You know, you, the, the eviction rate and, um, in terms of like um, business shutting down and the ratio and the percentage, just if people just have the resources would just make Absolutely. things so much better. And it just, it just works. It just helps everyone out from top to bottom. We okay. partnered with Greater Washington Urban League to give these classes throughout the that. just throughout the year. Um, and we've uh, we've partnered with, uh, even with uh, City First, uh, we had them come in and kind of talk as well as about that financial literacy. Excellent. Okay, before we wrap you guys up, will okay. you tell us what you brought in today? Because you yeah. brought in all this food. You're going to have yes. to give me a taste of I know, of you're going to have to pass yes. it down. Yes. Yes. They're moving. They're I, I brought in, and I brought everybody in, else I in studio. A, Come on. Yeah, I brought in a little sample from um, the closest location, Silver Spring location. So I had some devilish eggs topped top with some fresh jumble up crab meat. I bought some bayou rolls, which is like a chicken and cheese egg rolls, um, with a little Cajun spice to it. And I brought in um, some honey bourbon hot honey wings. So They're gorgeous. Enjoy. Okay, uh, Aaron, Dr. Tucker, don't walk away from that mic because you got to give the last shout out. Absolutely. Tell everybody where they can she find was everything. For the food. I know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find everything. Please. Um, definitely follow us at DMVBRW as well as go to our website uh, DMVBRW.com. You will get all the information there. Purchase tickets. Connect with us. We're great. here. All right, great. And tell everybody, please, Jeff, where they can find you and all your fabulous restaurants. Yes, the, the simplest way to find us is to look up MissCarrieHospitalityGroup.com. It has the list of all the restaurants that's open, Will which you is spell common. M I S K I R I HospitalityGroup.com. Okay, terrific. All right. Uh, thank well, you last both. Thing, no. When you check out Nikki's website and you see the photo of us, check out. Dr. Aaron's glasses. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back to Spain. All right, Alejandra, hi. So, Alejandra, you know, you mentioned in the beginning of the show that, or, well, actually, when David was introducing you, that the wine is vegan. What does that mean? Because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, no, duh, it's wine, it's vegan, right? Exactly. I really, really like to ask these two consumers because I always say, mm, if the wine is made of grapes, they all should be vegan, right? Right. But um, the thing is that during the winemaking process, mm -hmm. uh, there's the part of, of finding the wine or clarifying the wine, cleaning it for the last uh, part before bottling. Mm -hmm. And traditionally in Spain, egg white was used to do this procedure. So then uh, the wine was not considered vegan. Interesting. Then after that, yeah, exactly. Because mm, a lot of people really, they don't know about this. Right. So then the egg white was forbidden because of uh, salmonellosis, this mm -hmm. um, type of, yeah. So they changed it and they start using gelatin from animal cartilage. Right. Uh, that it's completely allowed and it's it's okay to use it. But as the philosophy of our, our winery, we wanted to go on a more green path of not. Well, you know, it's not any. dissimilar from sugar, right? Because sugar is detoxified by running it through cow bones. Because I remember the first time yeah. I saw vegan sugar, I was like. Of course, it's sugar, but it is run through bones because the collagen exactly. pulls out the impurities. So it's a similar process. Exactly. But you guys aren't doing it's it. Very similar process. So mm -hmm. we do not use any element made of animals. Mm -hmm. We use for finding um, a type of clay 
called bentonite. Mm -hmm. So it's, we just put the wine through that type of clay and it cleans all the wine. So our wines, all of them are certified suitable for vegans and vegetarians. That's brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Eric, what We're are you going to pour next? What are we pouring next? We're going to pour the independent rosé. Oh my God. Yay. Love rosé. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Tell me a little bit, just you got like 30 seconds. Tell me about the rosé. Yeah, so rosé wine made of red garnacha grapes. Mm -hmm. We press the red grapes, and just by pressing them, as we have a high concentration of color, we obtain this beautiful rosé color and wine. We Excellent. are ready. All right, great. Thank you. All right. Okay, on to our next you know, guest. We talk to another entrepreneur. Dario yes. Wolos is the founder of Tacombi. Mm -hmm. It's a food and beverage, taqueria, and packaged goods, consumer products company. We've got a bunch of them that we're staring at that I'll be opening up. <laughs> Dario, welcome to the show. Why don't we, we start with your whole 411, story, with your yeah. whole story, because it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. All the way back? Well, I know you were born, we in, only got 10 minutes, born in a log dude, cabin. So, you, know. you were born in Utica, where our daughter-in-law was born. Okay. No, you were born in uh, Elmira, yep. but yep. Uh, she's from up there, so okay. I'm, we'll start there. <laughs> so my, my mother's from Monterrey, Mexico. Mm -hmm. My father was born in France, uh, the son of immigrants, refugees back in, in the time. And he ended up in Mexico in the 70s, uh, met my mother. And, and they both love Mexico for different reasons. My, my mother, nationalist pride. My father loved Mexico for everything about it. Mm -hmm. So I, I grew up with these two different perspectives between the United States and Mexico. So I was born in upstate New York, grew up in Monterrey, but then my life was kind of going back and forth. And so I... What what really impacted me growing up in Mexico versus the United States was the lack of educational opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I, I saw high level. I saw this beautiful, beautiful country, uh, cultural traditions, stuff that I, I just love and, and these amazing people that just didn't have the same access to education. And so my personal mission and, and what I set out to do with Tacombi was to build a brand that shows the beauty of Mexico so that we can reinvest it in Mexican communities. And that that was the mission back in 2006 when I opened up a VW bus to sell tacos on the beach in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And my parents were like, what? Like, like what are you doing? I don't know, honestly, <laughs> I would still be there smoking a doobie. Okay, and <laughs> okay. But, yeah. okay so, but you started selling the tacos in Mexico. Yep. Where there's no shortage of tacos. Of tacos. Well, that was my mom's, you know, issue. She was like... As a mother, you know, I, I yeah, sort of agree with her, she, but go ahead. Was, um, but it, it was... Amazing because what it, it started to show me as an adult really what was special about Mexico. And what I found in that little town were these the, the basics of Mexican hospitality. Mm -hmm. and, and hospitality all around the world is a beautiful thing. And, and, and I think Mexico has its own version of it that mm -hmm. is, is worth sharing with the whole world. And, and I love to travel. And so everywhere I, I would go in my life, I was like, these people would love to see this stuff. And, and that's really what is this whole adventure is about well, that. Wait, wait, things, no, no, no. Do we have, we to, have take to take a break. A break. So wanna. we're going to take a break. But then when we come back, let's talk about how you brought that to the States. Yep. Okay, especially cool. hospitality, because that's a, so important. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Dario Wolos, who is the founder of Tacombi, a food and beverage taqueria and packaged goods company, as I have said previously. But... I, in telling your story, you kind of left some stuff out because it's one thing to have this vision mm -hmm. to create a successful food company and to benefit people, but um, 
you know, without, you know, without the skill set, you can't do it. So you left out Cornell. Yeah. So you must have studied. Did you go to the um, the restaurant? Uh, the what, the hospitality. The hospitality school there. The hotel school. So I I studied economics, but I started learning about it through my friends. Okay. It was the first time. Because they have one I, of the best hospitality schools in yeah. the country. Yeah, it's it's um, it it was cool because I got to see you know people that were passionate about something that they loved and building businesses in it, and and it stuck with me. Um, so okay, you open up this taco van. Yeah. You're in Mexico. How, let's quick enough like how do we get to the states and how did you decide to launch what you wanted to do so i had just opened up my second taco stand mm-hmm. and uh the swine flu which is basically a mini version of covid right hit us and and it shut down tourism on the caribbean coast of mexico cancun mm-hmm. playa tulum all these places shut down for six months and so my second taqueria i had to basically close it mm. and and i had worked so hard i didn't want the brand uh to die there so I packed up that second Tacombi, which is a VW bus. In, in Mexico, they're called combis, mm. right? And so Tacombi is... Oh, Taqueria Tacombi. Yes. Ah. And so I packed up my Tacombi. My friends helped me drive it to the port uh, called Puerto Morelos. We put it on a boat that shipped it to Miami, and then I trailered it from Miami up to New York. And I found a warehouse in Soho. Um, and, and it was my break because I was walking around trying to find a real estate in New York and no broker would, would pay attention to me. Uh, but I saw this guy hanging up a sign on his, on his building that said for rent by owner. And I introduced myself and, and a handshake later, he let me literally push my bus into the store. Wow. Um, and, and he gave me three months to try and come up with the capital to make it happen. It took me six months. Um, but on a bootstrap budget, we opened the store. Half that money went to pay the security deposit. That's just how these things go. And, uh, and it was, you know, it's been one of the best adventures of my life. But I think what I found in that community, and, 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 and I think is what we found as we've grown the business, is that it's the more that we could give to that community, that first one, uh, the, the more that it just came back and helped well, build. I want to take yeah. you back to the business story because yeah. now you have – 14 locations with more on the way and one in Bethesda. Yeah. Um, but what is it about your tacos that, that, yeah, what's, you know, what's I mean, your, we haven't discussed what, the menu. What's the, dip, the point of differentiation between your, your tacos and your menu that makes you successful? Well, I, I think, you know, going back to basics on Mexican cuisine, I think, uh, is, is, in, you know, it started with this understanding of Mexican hospitality. So what really differentiates Tacombi is, is Mexican hospitality. Mm-hmm. And, and because we were born in Mexico, our appreciation of the base ingredients in which to make a good taco, I think, mm-hmm. is what is really driven the success of anything we do. It's just that, hmm. that basic ingredients. These tortillas that are in front of us, you know, they're, they're made with three ingredients, right? This, the corn tortilla, we get the corn, we do it the traditional way, so we cook it, uh, salt, water, and then that's the tortilla. Is there a special the corn that you source from a special guy? or Just good organic corn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and then for the flour tortillas, uh, instead of using some of these, what, what has now become standard in the industry, all these chemicals, uh, we just use avocado oil as a base. Mm-hmm. So our flour tortillas are delicious. The corn tortillas, you know, are... Why don't you pop one of those bad boys over? And, you know, I have to be honest. I think you really make a valid point. When you go to consumer packaged goods, one of the issues is stabilizing, right? Yeah. Like, how do you keep that product? Because you need shelf life. Totally. So yeah. how do you go about doing that? Because I can think of lots of those tortillas that are out there on the shelves that, yeah. like, 
there's that chemical taste at the end. Right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You sort of you just get used to it. Yeah. So how do you not? How do you walk away from that? Well, that, that that's where the benefit of growing up in a restaurant business, or what mm-hmm. we call a taqueria business, because they're taquerias, mm-hmm. um, is that you know the we needed these ingredients to be of a certain quality. Mm-hmm. And and we knew that we had to make them from scratch. And so as we grew, that demand inside our business, uh, the restaurant business, it it forced us to look at how we could make the tortillas for our business work. Mm. And so and, and we, you know, we eat these, this food almost every day. I've been eating it for a long time. And open America. Ha- I see you. Open quality, it. Yeah, right? but obviously it's not no. fattening because you look great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, uh, we could really go down a, yeah, a, a, a long dive, yeah, right? So quickly tell everybody where we can find you in Bethesda, where we can find you online, and where we can find you on Instagram. So you can find us at tacombi.com. Mm-hmm. And on our Instagram is also tacombi. And here in Bethesda, we are on the corner of Bethesda and Woodmont. Okay. Just behind the chase. Thanks. Excellent. All right. All right. Unsolicited testimonial. <laughs> I just had one of the chips. These are great. Yeah, they're they beautiful. A real bite to them. And their packaging is great. Okay. Uh, Andy, do we have to take a break? No, no break. All right, let's go back to wine. So, Alejandro, that um, rosé is just perfect. Really light, really crisp. Um, I mean, I, I am a firm believer that rosé is for every season, not just for summer. And um, Exactly. Thank you for saying that. Thank yeah. you. I love it. You know the rosé comes out Great. of the taps in our home when you turn the handle or something. <laughs> um, and, Great. You know, but I think there's a little misconception about rosés because, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in Washington, D.C., this is the last stats, and this is from a couple of years ago, but D.C. was one of the number one regions of consumerism of rosé. Like across the country, wow. yes. I mean, we drink right. a lot of rosé here, but I think there's, there's a, a lot, lot of, of reason to drink in Washington. That's also true. Uh, but I think one of the misconceptions was that you know, first people think rosé is sweet. You know, people the uninitiated, yeah. the uneducated, yeah, uh, exactly. think rosé is sweet. But then there's also you know, there's the styles of rosé. Do you know what I mean? And people judge rosé based on its color, and they judge it based on what they think it should taste like. So, how did you guys come up with? your offering well let, let me tell you re- regarding that that i wanted to explain a little bit mm-hmm. about the concept behind independent brand mm-hmm. and that's exactly what i what we were thinking when we created the brand four years ago um we really want to encourage people to drink wine without rules mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people willing to enter in the in the wine world but sometimes they get scared if they don't understand about the style of the color or the aromas of the grapes or anything Mm -hmm. and for us the idea with this independent brand it's exactly to tell the people like don't worry just we give you the freedom to enjoy uncorked and enjoy it it. as you wish okay very quickly what did wait i have to interrupt you what are we pouring next because we have our next guest we're going to pour the independent tempranillo okay quickly you got 30 seconds please tell us tempranillo tempranillo is very well known in rioja but also in our region Mm -hmm. so you are having a tempranillo from aragon organic wine later i'll tell you about organic wine making excellent okay great all right Introduce Let's, our next oh guest. Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello. Hi. Participate. So, Nod's life mm-hmm. 
uh, is a company formed by two Isn't folks. Isn't it naughty? No, no. It's a little naughty. naughty. No, no, it's, naughty. It, no, because it, Come it's on. The naughty, it's naughty crush, but isn't it not life? No, no naughty. No. It's naughty, naughty life. life. Yeah, so it's a it's a riff on nautical and, and maybe and a little naughty. Naughty. Some, yeah, I see what you're doing. Oh, Come on. Yeah. No, I thought, okay, but it's very clever. But we're very so, nice. A little naughty, a little nice. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to let you guys take it. What? Tell us what Naughty Life is and and what your product is all about and where you guys come from. You just whip this thing up. In I know. I know. We're, we're local story. ladies. We're local it. ladies from, from Annapolis. Uh, my business partner, Tracy, and I um, came up with a concept uh, a few years ago. Drinking uh, by a pool, I believe. I mean, it is such hard work, <laughs> but someone has to do it. I know. Life's um, a biatch, I know. <laughs> but uh, my background is actually in consumer marketing, so I... And we very much believe that life is a lab. And if you watch people engage with products, you can learn so much. And that's where invention happens. So, you know, we'd be at the pool. We'd see our friends, you know, hiding bottles of rosé in their pool bag. Um, you can't have glass by a pool where we oh, live. Right. You can't have it on a boat. And Annapolis yeah, is a glass-free town. So it started with this very simple concept of we love a bottle of wine. We can't bring glass everywhere we want to mm-hmm. go. Hence, let's make a plastic bottle. Of wine, so we started out with this full-size bottle of rosé, a Grenache rosé that did incredibly well. The problem was it was the pandemic when we launched, mm-hmm. and this is a very high-touch product, right? You have to squeeze it and feel how light it is to see how different it is. Um, so uh, we well, can we stay well, on that yes. for a minute? I mean, yeah, the packaging is, is there. The packaging is great, and yeah. and this is brilliant. Was there any concern that the, I guess the plastic would change the taste of the wine. Absolutely. So we worked with, I mean, this was, I feel like we got a, an engineering degree in making this. Um, I bet. Yeah. I mean, for everything from a capping system, which would crush, um, you know, glass is so sturdy. These plastic bottles will just crush under the weight of a corking system. Sure. So we had to work on the structure of the bottle, the capping, but also we had to work with a company to create a, a lining of this bottle. It's called Plasmex is the brand name, but it basically protects the wine as if it's glass. So it's a molecular level coating of like almost an invisible glass wow. that is un- that won't break. So you scientist. probably had to do more research on the packaging yes. than you did on the physical wine, right? You're absolutely right. That was the huge barrier. People didn't even know how to put wine into a structure like this. So it was the first is, time is done in the U.S. It's there... a twist okay. top, resealable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's and it's and a great Grenache Rosé. Okay. And so this was this was our starting point, right? Is this so, why everybody in Annapolis is now Stinko? Yes. <laughs> it's all our fault. It's right. all our fault. Um, so, and it was a really bold, uh, uh, fruit forward rosé. And what we found was, you know, when people are drinking poolside, they would mix it with lemonade because it's really delicious. It was a Grenache rosé. And okay, I'm sorry. What? So listen. So we, the, you are like now you're yeah. thinking. Of, so now I it's was a whole, with you the entire yes. time. Nikki, until Annapolis is another very country. Where they have their, their I, customs. I, I firmly believe that everyone thinks they're a mixologist these days. They mm. they they are posting. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Aaron uh, Tucker is like yes, yeah, yeah, they do, and they you know so so. But I, I think, again about the power of human observation. You see people blending their own cocktails at home, posting pictures of these fantastic things that they've made. Uh, somebody sent to us on Instagram, hey, I just mixed Naughty Life with lemonade and it was freaking amazing. Or, hey, I just made a Naughty, uh, you know, a Naughty Crush, which is a very popular regional drink here. So we started thinking to ourselves. Wait, oh, is a Naughty Crush actually wine and lemonade? It is wine. It's no, the, a crush is a typically grapefruit or orange juice, okay. a little triple sec, a here, little vodka. Why don't you try it and- Okay. So this okay. is basically what we, you would find in a bar here, like a grapefruit crush or an orange crush in okay. Delaware. It's a very, you know, kind of mid-Atlantic popular drink. We decided to make that with rosé versus vodka. So rosé has this kind of 
all day rosé notion. People like feel like they can drink it all day, whereas you have a couple of vodka drinks and you might. I mean, you be can't a drink little, it all day. You, you just can't, you know, make it through the night. But go ahead. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we said, well, how can we have fun with um, kind of mixology and wine? Because the wine, we had such a great start with it, and we're like, you know, the wine business can be a little traditional, can be a little stodgy, and we we want to be the opposite of that. We want to be fun and you know, a little winky with the naughty. Mm-hmm. Um, shivering great. at the thought of her wine in a plastic <laughs> like bottle. In a plastic bottle. <laughs> but, um, I know. But <laughs> so where did you get the wine from? How did you source your wine? So we worked with a, a winery in California um, in uh, the San Joaquin Valley. And so right outside Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found this amazing winemaker. Her name is Melissa Smith. And I a woman-owned business, a female winemaker. I feel it. surrounded. Yeah, mm-hmm. so and, and that's pretty rare, right? So yeah. we we were really thrilled to find her, and she was so collaborative. And, you know, it was interesting because mostly a winemaker's job is to blend the perfect wine. Um, but we also had to figure out how to get into a bottle. So she, you know, was our co-conspirator in helping it get from tank it's to this bottle. It's an interesting – like, I get it. And I think that um, there's – a as technology changes – that uh, if in the wine business specifically and the spirit business, you see people growing and evolving, not just because it's trendy or it's a fad, but because it actually works, right? Like yes. screw tops. I mean, I can we can go down a long rabbit yes. hole about you know where Europe is on screw tops versus where the United States is mm-hmm. and South America or Australia and things like that. But now you're talking plastic, which is a whole because boxed wines is a whole other conversation, yep. which is. Actually, plastic. I mean, it is basically yeah. They're in a bag. They're they're in a bag. So it is the same thing. But you're kind of melding traditional, sort of visually, what's traditional aesthetically, with a different product. I think you know. Where do you have distribution? Mm. So our wonderful partner here, Eric, is of with Artisans and Vines. He's uh, he's been pretty good to us. Um, so they're they're our partner to distribute mm. the wine regionally, and they've done an amazing job. I think between the bottled wine and now the canned crush, we've probably been in over fifty regional s- stores in the DC and uh, Maryland. Area. I have to take a quick right. break. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk about what your growth looks like and what do you guys have coming up next. This is David and Nikki Nellis, fourteen years on air. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Footing the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis wrapping up year 14 by talking about a naughty life. Mm-hmm. 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 So now, is pretty naughty. now yeah. that you guys have the wine packaged and now you have your first sort of mix, what do you what? want more? Like, what's next? Yes, we want more. And it's, it's fun because people want more. That's the first thing they ask us, what are you guys doing next? So mm-hmm. I think that there's a real big idea here in taking – traditional cocktails made with alcohol and playing with wine and especially rosé. And so we are literally breaking out the chemistry set, the beakers and graduated cylinders, and um, we are working on a naughty margarita. Mm. Um, A naughty sangria would make sense. I was going to say. With the wine. With wine. So we're playing with different wines. Um, uh, This Grenache rosé does really, really well with a lot of other flavors because it's so fruit forward. But are you hamstrung? It's October. You won't be able to do this by the pool. I mean, will that be a... Will that hinder your... I mean, there are pools in other places. There, yeah, there are pools in other places. places. There is travel. That's we have somebody right. here who Let's started in Mexico. Go, right? I mean, come on. take it by the fire. I got a woman in Spain on the phone here. I mean, we can we can make that work. Yeah, and, and I you know, I know you know people drink margaritas all year long now in, in bars, and they order them. And, you know, we, we, we think there's some um, year-round for some I'm of the flavors sure that is. we're developing. Right. So. We have a daughter in college. I'm sure there is. Mm-hmm. In the Arizona. That's right. Oh, She's perfect. drinking all year round. I need to send her some. <laughs> yes. 
No, you don't. <laughs> she doesn't She's need help. She doesn't me. need help. So you're playing with different things. Mm-hmm. And what about with the wines? Are you looking to put other wines in this packaging? Or are you looking to just, I mean, do you guys have like, the market on this packaging because I haven't seen it anywhere else. So there's one brand that comes in from France, um, but this was the only one. Well, this is the first one made in the U.S. And I've seen some regional competitors coming out of Oregon. Um, but some of the big manufacturers are starting to put wine in plastic. I know blasphemy for the traditionalists, but um, the carbon footprint that it saves, um, the weight. On right, the because not all glass is recyclable. Correct. And as soon as you put that cork in a glass bottle, they can't recycle it as one piece. So I don't think... Americans at least know how to recycle no, properly. No, no, we've done recycling things. Recycle. We've so done recycling things. Yeah. On, I yeah, mean, yeah. in Montgomery County where we live, yeah. people keep throwing re- uh, glass yeah. into the recycling. Actually, they do not recycle we're glass. We're having dinner with a member of the family that has the recycling contract for Montgomery County. Right. And, and she, basically about 9% of what is thrown in a recycling bin gets recycled. The rest of it goes into a landfill. But plastic is the way to go. And so every yeah. piece of this is made from the same plastic. And the paper is organic and um, all-natural glues. So it's 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 meant to cap That's separate, bottle smart. separate, one piece. It's, it's recycled and then it's for totally dummies. recyclable? Totally recyclable. I mean, very that, low burn rate. PET is And uh, same thing with the, the can. Highest. Same right? thing with the can. We said whatever we're making, it has to go in one piece, no separation required. Um, drinking for have, dummies or cycling for dummies. One more question about your canned cocktails. Are you thinking larger as far as like for restaurants and bars or even for the at-home consumer to tap it? Yes. Are you thinking that way? So we actually worked with our winemaker when we were down there to say, can we keg this for restaurants? Right. And, and that would be a great um, kind of pull strategy in the bar. Um, we want to introduce that, but for now, we've just started getting the canned cocktail into some local restaurants, and that is super exciting. I mean, talk to any bartender. Making a grapefruit crush or margarita is a huge pain in the bum for them, right? So that fact they can crack. Well, it I think it's actually, I think go. actually, what it is for a certain style of restaurant, where you know years ago you would not see canned beers, let alone you know canned drinks, and you know, but with the advent of spritzes yes. and all these kinds of canned drinks, it's easier to sell a bucket of them than to make more. I mean, from a yes. financial standpoint, absolutely. Purely. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I think when a lot of restaurants, you know experienced the kind of trials and tribulations of the pandemic, they did a lot to go and, you know, kind of yeah. put things in dinner boxes to go. Like, this is the kind of thing They're trying to undo to go in. now because they want mm. people back in. <laughs> yeah. Where do we find you guys? Yes. Like, where, is there a website that says we're all Instagram, the... tell us where you are. Yes, we are on um, NaughtyLifeWine.com. Mm-hmm. N-A-U-T-I, life. Yes, N-A-U-T-I. Mm-hmm. Um, and Naughty Life Wine on Instagram and Facebook. And um, and like we said, retailers around the area, we're across the street at DC Junction Bistro Bar and Bakery. Oh yeah, right across the street. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and then in also in DC, we're in Old City Market and Oven. Great, great. Yeah. So ask for it. Yes. Well, you we, should. as two people who live a very naughty life, we will mm. be checking that. And Alejandra, we're coming back to you. Are you now thinking plastic? She's like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. Remember, remember in the movie The Graduate when the guy said to Benjamin, Benjamin, I have one word to say to you plastics so uh, yeah no i didn't see i'm super i'm super happy that we are talking about different uh, formats mm-hmm. because uh the last wine you are going to taste it's a red garnacha coming in a three liter bag and box oh so look at that. 
thanks to the great job our importer and distributor artist and some vines is mm -hmm. doing we have this eric eric is format. preening yes. like a pigeon yeah. a peacock <laughs> not a pigeon no pigeons preen so, too so yeah. yeah thanks to eric and mm -hmm. and uh, their team that are doing an amazing job you can find our wines on local restaurants for example king street oyster bar mm. and they are doing great with the three liter bag and box they use it for the happy hour, so we are changing the mindset regarding Great. wine with well, this new format. You know, honestly, I mean, we didn't get into this, but the the bag, while it takes away the um, aesthetics of opening up a bottle of wine and looking at the cork and all that, but what you save from product is immense because the oxygen doesn't and hit the wine. Exactly, exactly. And let's not forget also the uh, carbon footprint again sure. that you mentioned before. Sure. So one other thing you should know is that all of our wines are certified organic, not mm. only vegan, but organic as well. The philosophy in our winery is minimum intervention, both in the vineyard and in the winery. So that's why from the beginning we decided to not use any types of herbicides, pesticides, and chemicals. Mm. We decided to turn from the traditional agriculture based on, on a reaction to organic agriculture based on prevention. So we practice all the time regenerative and sustainable agriculture, allowing the natural environment around our vines to be alive and healthy. And consumers nowadays really take care of those concepts. So they that's do. why new formats are also well accepted now. You know, no, you hit a very good point. I mean, consumers today, it's an educated consumer. Do you know what I mean? Regionally, totally. obviously, not everywhere. But, yes, uh, yes. But, um, but consumers do understand and they know what organic means. Do you know, it's not Me. just a marketing term. It's an actual term that means something to your product. And I think there are people who are looking for it, just like the vegan term, right? I mean, exactly. And it's not only a trend. It came and it, it will remain. Okay. So uh, we truly believe that organic, vegan, green way, sustainable is the correct way. Because otherwise, we won't be able to produce wines in 50 right. years. Okay. Know, we're so with you. We're that. with you. Okay. Eric. Please tell us where we can find yes. uh, you online and on Instagram. Yeah, of course. So as a winery, please find us at, at bodegas. Mm -hmm. Tempore.com. Okay, it's great. a little, it's a little bit complicated, but it's T E M P O R E. Come on, we're all, right. all bilingual. Okay, so we have to wrap it up because the show is over. So we want to thank everybody, all of our guests in studio well, I, today. I, I, okay. Well, that's what I wanted to say very quickly. Okay, quickly, do it. Twenty-six years. You, mm -hmm. you are actually without all the a really BS. Long time. You're the love of my life, and mm -hmm. you raised five, four and a half great kids. <laughs> and. Uh, I hope I make it another 26. Okay. The anniversary. Okay, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers to everybody in studio today. It looks like we're celebrating lots of great things. Don't forget, on Sunday, which is tomorrow, but for us, but you'll hear this today, uh, Capital Jewish Food Festival. I will be there interviewing Michael Twitty at 1.30. Get your tickets online. Check it out at uh, thelistareyouonit.com. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for all of everything you heard here in studio today, but also everything going on in and around the D.C. metro area. Be safe out there, and everybody have a delicious week.